Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about spoiled children. You know, a lot of us know spoiled children. I know I have one, at least, in uh, my children <laughs> that's spoiled. And and it's hard not to want to spoil your children. I mean, life is hard. And to know all the things that they have to go through, you always want to make things a lot easier. But unfortunately, we have to set a lot of boundaries around children. And it's not unusual for a child younger to, than four to have as many as nine tantrums per week. And this can be things like crying, kicking, stomping, hitting, pushing, uh, you know, and it can last for five, 10 minutes, sometimes even more. You know, most children outgrow the behavior by kindergarten. You know, for children whose tantrums continue as they get older and become something that is not developmentally appropriate, professional help may be in order. However, you have to take into account that COVID caused also a lot of developmental delay in younger children um, because they did not get the social factors that they need to be able to grow up and bounce things off each other and correct each other. And uh, multiple factors also contribute to the particular child's struggles with anger, irritability, and aggression, behavior that can cause harm to themselves or other people. But the common trigger is frustration. When a child cannot give what they want and they ask to do something that they might feel like doing or not feel like doing. And so, you know, for children, anger issues often accompany other mental health conditions, which includes obviously ADHD, autism, obsessive compulsive disorder, Tourette's syndrome. And there's a lot of genetics and other biological factors that are thought to play a role in anger and aggression. So environment is a huge factor and contributor as well. Trauma, family dysfunction, and certain parenting styles such as hard or inconsistent punishment also make it more likely that a child will exhibit anger and aggression that interfere with their daily life. What you have to understand about discipline is it has to be consistent. It has to be something that they would expect to receive, not something that's new and out of the blue, not something that's based on your moods, not something that is based on what kind of day you've had. You know, the, the problem is with discipline, discipline is meant to teach. It's not meant to torture. And so a lot of parents are very self-centered and will uh, discipline their children out of anger. And that creates a lot of resentment and mistrust from the child. Okay. Now, young children may be taken in for a psychological or psychiatric evaluation by their parents or be referred by a, a pediatrician, a psychologist, a teacher, school administrator. Other older children with behavior problems that bring them in contact with law may be sent for evaluation and treatment by the courts or even the juvenile justice system. And so, you know, when we have to understand something, if you're going to be raised in a household where you don't get much attention, negative attention may be better than no attention at all. So some families, due to their lack of discipline, will often teach their children that negative attention is the way to get their attention. And so the squeaky wheel gets the turn. And when they learn that, 
then they learn that in on a broader view in society and in relationships and how they associate with their friends, with their teachers, with, with whatever institutions they w- work with, with whatever work or job that they work with, that negative attention is better than nothing. And so, you know, there's some disorders that actually come out of childhood with children who are what are called spoiled, the oppositional defiant disorder which is a pattern of angry, irritable moods, argumentation, defiant behavior, and a spitefulness that lasts for six months or more, usually to any person of authority. And if that doesn't pacify their needs, they graduate on to what's called a conduct disorder, which is a persistent pattern of behavior that violates the rights of others, like bullying and stealing, age-appropriate norms such as truancy from school or running away from home. These are things that happen. Also, then there's this weird one called disruptive uh, mood dysregulation disorder. And that is characterized by a frequent anger outburst, irritable, depressed mood most of the time. Sometimes clinicians may use these terms that, that, that are not a part of the DSM, uh, but have been used in research, education, and advocacy. You know, severe mood dysregulation is a term that refers to a combination of irritable mood, angry outbursts, aggressive behavior in children with mood disorders and ADHD. So how is anger, irritability, and aggression in children treated? Well, the best is what's called behavior modification. What that means is you either use a positive or a negative token economy to reward or take away from the child given their behavior. And how they regulate their behavior and how you teach them to regulate their behavior is what you take away or what you give. But you don't do it inconsistently. You have to do it consistently. Otherwise, they do not learn. Also, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is thought-changing, emotional regulation, which allows the child to learn to identify anger triggers and preventative strategies. For instance, if you think about rage, there's two things that make people go to rage. All right. One is disrespect, not having a voice. The other is fear. So if you put both of those together, you're likely to get somebody that's moved on into rage fairly quickly. And so what I would encourage people to understand is the more we know about how much are we collecting disrespects, how much are we collecting fear, the more we understand how much rage we carry in our life. And so, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can do. And one of the biggest things to understand is nobody ever taught you how to be married. Nobody ever taught you how to be a parent. Yes, you may have learned in your house of of origin, but the bottom line is in this day and age, it's a lot different. Yes, there are some techniques that are good that are from the old days, but the bottom line is we have to understand that we did not learn how to do this. Learning how to be a good parent, learning how to be a good partner in a marriage is something that we all need to do and do it respectfully. So the term a spoiled child brings to mind the image of a child sprawled on the floor of a toy shop wanting their favorite toy, or a child who sulks and is angry with their friends because they do not want to play a game their way. You know, uh, an increasingly busy lifestyle is presenting a whole lot of parents 
was was spending time with their children and taking care of them. They don't have that kind of time. And so this fills parents with a sense of remorse and guilt. And in their eagerness to compensate for their inability to be there for their kids, some busy parents tend to go overboard. They shower their children with gifts, fulfill their every demand. Some even go to the extent of ignoring or indulging their child's bad behavior. And all this can contribute to making the child demanding, disrespectful, disinclined to follow rules. And so, you know, a, a child behaving unacceptably occasionally isn't always a spoiled brat. So how would you know if you're unwillingly spoiling your child? Well, here's some signs. They persist with demands. Every time your child wants something, they persist with the demand until you give in. You know, bowing to your child's pressure tactics has made them understand that you will eventually agree to what they want. And this is one of the surest signs of a spoiled child. If you think about it, if you're saying no to your child, no, that's pretty good. But if you say no or no, 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 or no, 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 I've told you a million times no, that means it's really hard for you to say no. And so the child reads that and they know that there is a yes underneath it because if they keep going down the path, you're eventually going to give in because you're already putting up so much resistance. You know, what you want to do is you want to show your child that you love and care for them. And that is, it also establishes limits. And that means that when I am saying no, I'm saying no because I love you. I'm looking out for you. So you want to make your child understand that because you have their best interest in mind, you will sometimes refuse their requests and demands. That's not a bad thing. So help them understand what your intention is. Also, when your child doesn't share, if they, if they don't think twice before they're accepting anything from others, but they're unwilling to share their own possessions, that's a sign that they're spoiled also. And instead of correcting your child's behavior, you'd prefer to ignore the tendency just because you don't want to make them unhappy. What you could do instead is if your child tends to grab or snatch from other kids, Teach them to ask and wait until it is their turn. Tell your child that when they ask for something, they must wait for it to be given to them. You can also help your child learn the concept of time sharing, where they share their possessions with others for some time. Most important of all, modeling sharing is your child is likely to follow the example. You know, single children are a, a more pervasive part of our culture today. And the deal is they don't learn how to share in their home. But they have to learn how to share in environments. And that's why play dates and time with other kids is very important. Our children parent each other. They teach each other how to be children and how to be respectful. And we can't forget that. Not all lessons are learned at home. And so <clears throat> if, if also a spoiled child is a child that is often never satisfied. And even though you try to give your child whatever they want, they're never satisfied with, the, with what they have. And as uh, as they, sh they they often come to you with demands like I want uh, a, a toy car or give me another cup of ice cream or give me this give me that give me that and they come into demands that's a sign that you do not have good boundaries with your children. What you could do is when your child pesters you in this manner or makes their demands in a commanding tone, make it clear that they must speak more politely. You have a right to teach people how to talk to you. You have a right to teach your children how to talk to you. This is important. You know, if they're going to use a command tone, you say you need to use your words, use your manners, and learn how to ask. Learn how to ask. 
That is the most important thing. You do not demand. If you're going to learn how to demand, you're going to lose a lot of people in your life, including me. So the bottom line is you need to ask. You need to be polite. Also, many spoiled children disregard rules and authority. And if, if your child has gotten into the habit of, of taking charge, they don't want to follow the rules or directives, they're defiant, they have scant respect for you or what you have to say because they know what you will never correct their disobedience, left unchecked with time, they will become even more non-compliant. And this can adversely affect your, your, uh, uh, you as an adult and them as a child. You know, what you what you want to do is when your child breaks the rules, never shy away from enforcing the consequences. I'm going to count to three. And if you don't change your way, if you don't change what you're doing, this is what you're going to lose. One. Boo, 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 boo. Two. Boo, boo, boo. All right. I'm going to get to three and you're going to lose this. So it's up to you. So you give it to them. You give it back to them and let them make a decision what they want. You know, this is the way they learn to what do what's called self-regulation. You know, ungrateful children is another indication that a child is spoiled. You always provide your child with everything without making them work for it. And so they're filled with a sense of entitlement. They accept everything without saying thank you or expressing appreciation. And if something's not to their liking, they have no reservations about turning it down, criticizing it. You know, when your child behaves in an ungrateful manner, point it out to them in a calm but firm manner and help them identify and label feelings so they can express themselves better. Tell them how their insensitive behavior makes others feel. This will help them empathize, empathize with other people. Sometimes as parents, we do not realize that we spoil our children by giving them too many things. Remember that parental attitudes contribute to a child's value system. If you're a lazy parent, if you're breeding stock and not a real parent, you're going to have a child that is going to run ragged through life and they're going to miss out on a lot of great opportunities that they would have had had they learned patience, gratefulness, gratitude, you know, understanding rules, persisting without persisting on demands. You know, this is an important aspect that we want to be able to come to grips with when we're raising children. Most children have occasional tantrums. They have meltdowns. They maybe sometimes they'll lash out if they're frustrated or if they're hungry, if they're defiant of being asked to do something they don't want to do. And so, you know, there's signs of emotional outbursts that really should be highlighted as a red flag to concern us. If your child's tantrums or outbursts are occurring past the age in which they're developmentally expected, uh, you know, somewhere around seven, eight years old, if their behavior is dangerous to themselves or others, if their behavior is causing them serious trouble at school with teachers reporting that they're out of control, if their behavior is interfering with their ability to get along with other kids, so they're excluded from playdates and birthday parties, that's sad for them. That's horrible. That's because you've got a hooligan on your hand and you need to come to grips with it as a parent. You need to teach them how to become a human being. You know, they're also upset because they feel they can't control their anger and that makes them feel uh, bad about themselves because other kids don't trust them because they can't control their anger. And that's a sign that they're going to have a hard time mixing with society in general, mixing and making friends, keeping friends, keeping jobs, keeping relationships in their life. So, 
you know, many, many kids, there's diagnoses that have underlying anger. ADHD is one of them. And so those who experience impulsivity and hyperactivity have trouble controlling their behavior. They may find it hard to comply with instructions or switch from one activity to another because it makes them appear defiant and angry. But the problem is ADHD is a hunter-gatherer. They're a hunter. They think in terms of hunting. They think for, uh, uh, they, they, they think linearly. So if they're going after the deer and you're asking them to brush your teeth, they're probably not going to brush your teeth. They're going to hunt the deer. And so that's kind of how their mentality is. Once they're on a hunt, once they're doing something that they love, it's really hard to get them off of that. And that's where the anger and the tantrums come from and the power struggles because you're not understanding how important what they're doing right now is to them. Also, anxiety. You know, kids that have anxiety usually grow up with unsafe parents, unsafe households. What that means is there's a lot of turmoil in the house. There's a lot of temperaments. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of rage. Or they were not paid attention to. Their cries were not heard. Their cries were not understood. And that oftentimes happens. And when it does, these kids grow up with a lot of fear and anxiety that the world is unsafe because their parents weren't safe. Their parents didn't take the time to make them feel safe. Unfortunately, many kids have been left to cry on their own and just cry it out, cry it out. Well, that's not a great idea because they're trying to test to see if the world is a safe place. So cry it out is not a good idea. Learning what their cry means is a much better idea when a child is in their first year of life. They are measuring how safe will I be for the rest of my life in that first year. You know, a lot of acting out of school is a result of trauma, neglect, or chaos. Kids who are struggling, not feeling safe at home, can act like terrorists at school, trying to get power because they have no power at home. And so a lot of them are, are fairly intimidating kinds of behaviors. Uh, they, they, they use negative attention. They try to get all kinds of attention just by doing stupid things. And that's because they're traumatized oftentimes by what's happening in the chaos of their family. But like I said, you know, half the population of people that have children are breeding stock. And what that means is they're not trained to be parents. They don't care about being parents. They just want to procreate. And so a lot of these people just procreate and procreate and procreate, but they never parent their children. And they have to pray to God that somebody in this life will care enough to be a parent and raise their children at some point in their lives. You know, also learning problems. When your child acts out repeatedly in school during homework time, it's possible they have an undiagnosed learning disorder. And they have a lot of trouble with math or math problems, makes them very frustrated or reading. You know, uh, dyslexia is a very prominent issue in our culture. Also, sensory processing issues. Children have trouble processing sensory information they're getting from the world around them. Maybe they're oversensitive to sound, stimulation, things are scratchy clothes, too much light, noise can make them uncomfortable, you know, or anxious or distracted or overwhelmed. And this can lead to meltdowns for no reason that is apparent to you or the teacher or any kind of caregiver. And so that is a sensory perception disorder. And we have to be aware of how our children respond to their environments. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about some other features regarding a spoiled child. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. 
Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about spoiled children. Yes. Autism. This is a big one. Children on the autism spectrum are also very prone to dramatic meltdowns. If, you, if your child is on the spectrum, they may tend to be rigid, they needing a consistent uh, routine, feeling safe. An unexpected change can set them off. They may have sensory issues um, also. That that means that things can be too loud for them, too violent for them. And so their environment has to be considered at all times because it may overwhelm them. They also may short circuit into a meltdown that continues until they get exhausted. They also may lack the language and the communication skills to express what they want or need because they have very low EQ, emotional quotient, just like IQ. And so, you know, you can help angry children. Medication won't necessarily fix defiant behavior or aggression. It can reduce the symptoms, but it doesn't always eliminate it. And so, you know, you have to work together with your children to rein the problem of the behavior down and help them keep of them calm in a situation. So the number one thing is you want to find their triggers. This is managing anger is understanding what triggers set off a child's outbursts. It, number one, do they take everything as a disrespect? Are they creating a scenario that's making them afraid? You see, these are things that are going to set them off into the cloud of rage. And so if, if we can analyze these triggers, we have a better understanding to prevent what's going on and be able to solve the thing before it gets out, out of hand. You know, for instance, if getting out of the door, uh, door for school is a chronic issue for your kid, like ours, uh, solutions might include time warnings, laying out clothes, showering the night before, waking up earlier. Some kids respond well to breakfast tasks down in, into steps and posting them on the wall. I mean, sometimes we just have to get that granular. Also, consistent parenting. If you can't set a consistent parent for your uh, pattern for your child in their life, what that means is they do not feel loved. They do not feel like you care for them because you not you not set a structure that they can have some sense of predictability of what their day is going to look like. 
You know, when a child's uh, defiance and emotional outbursts occur, the parent or the caregiver needs to respond and affect the likelihood of the behavior happening again. So you could do something like a behavior contract. Yes, behavior contract is here's the, the three behaviors that we need to eliminate. Here is the consequence if you do it once. Here is more days of the same consequence, and here's more days of the same consequence if you do it again and again and again. And so if you don't do any of these over five days, then guess what? You get this nice piece of pizza on a Saturday, or maybe you get to watch your show for an hour or a half hour longer than you normally do. When a child's defiance and their outbursts are pervasive, it, it, it's, it causes a lot of problems. It's a good idea to try to, you know, do some step-by-step parenting training programs. These things offer you the ability to manage your child's life and give them precautions before they get out of control that help them self-regulate. You know, you first of all, the key elements of parenting, if you want to be a good parent, is you don't give in. You listen you validate, you understand, that's a good point, but that doesn't mean you have to agree. Just because you hear something doesn't mean you agree with it. So resist the, 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 the temptation to end your child's tantrum by giving them what they want when they explode. To give in only teaches them that the tantrums work. What you alternative want to do is find a different sensory perception that can grab their attention. Turn on some music, turn on the television, turn on something else that give them something that, that smells good, give them something that they can touch, something that, that will divert their sensory perception from their current one and move it to something else that may grab them and take them away from getting into their temper tantrums. Also, you want to remain calm and consistent. You're in a better place to teach and follow through with better more consistent consequences when you're in control of your own emotions. Harsh or angry responses tend to escalate a child's aggression. So be it verbal or physical, by staying calm, you are also modeling teaching your child the type of behavior you want to see in them and you would hope to see in them as a parent to their own children. You also want to ignore negative behavior and praise positive behavior. You know, this is huge. A lot of us love to just hammer on the negative things that happen. But here's the deal. We respond to gratitude. We respond to positives much better than we do to negatives. We remember positives much greater than we do negatives. We want to encourage and do things that make them get positives much greater if we go down that avenue. So, you know, they need to know uh, uh, what their negative behavior is, what they did that wasn't the negative behavior, and how proud of you them you are of them for not doing that. That was really great. That was really incredible that you didn't go down that avenue. You know, that was a really good job calming down. You know, we'd have to note those consequences, note those those moments when they're doing good things. That's huge. That's huge. All of us get so little of that in this life. You know, we also used to have to use consistent consequences. If you're going to have a spoiled child, don't have consistent consequences. Consistent consequences, they need to know what the consequences are for their negative behaviors, such as timeouts, you know, as well as rewards for positive behavior. You know, like time on the iPad, if, if you need to show them that you follow through these consequences every time, 
every single time, what will happen is they will understand and take control of their own discipline so that you don't have to do it for them. You also want to wait until the meltdown's over. You know, don't talk during the meltdown. That is the worst time to talk. They're not listening. You're not listening. You're upset. They're upset. Set an appointment. Set a time. When you're done, after you're done, in a half hour after you're done, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this. But until then, we're not going to talk about it. You know, one thing you don't want to do is try to reason with a kid who's upset. You know, it's huge. Don't talk to the kid when they're not available. You want to encourage a child to practice at negotiation when they're not blowing up and you're not either. But most times, if you really figure it out, if a kid's going to blow up, you need to find out what it means to them, what this thing that they're blowing up means to them, because that's what they're blowing up about. It's not... It's not what's happened. It's not what's going on. It's not the toy. What it is is what the toy means to them, what the, what the action means to them, what the behavior means to them. It's how they're interpreting things is what gets them upset. And so that is the questions you want to build around is the meaning of what's getting them upset. Communication is everything when it comes to learning how to be the parent to your child. You also want to build a toolkit to calm down. And that's like slow breathing, relax because you're calm. There are lots of techniques like breathing and drinking water. You know, it's a really good thing to do that. Pace yourself down. Go walk around the house five times. You know, go do something else five, you know, for five minutes. Giving them a chance to self-regulate teaches them how to do that as an adult. You know, the term spoiled suggests that the child is somehow ruined. It's not like they're using the word brat to describe a kid, but when you think about it, the harsh descriptors may be a tad unfair given the parents, not the kids, are the ones largely responsible for the spoiled behavior. Yes, you're also responsible for the spoiled behavior, not just your child, they're a product of your parenting. Children do what we train them to do and what we lead them to expect. And so if we have parented permissively and have never set limits, the child will not be used to accommodating appropriate limits. If you're suddenly creating limits because Aunt Margaret's coming over and she's a real, you know, uh, stern parent. And so now you're becoming a stern parent because she's coming over. That's not going to jive with your kid because you're not consistently that way. You need to consistently be the parent. And you need to teach other people who watch your children how to parent your children the way you want them to be parented. You know, uh, uh, all kids express some disappointment when you tell them they can't. For example, have a pizza for dinner two nights in a row. But, you know, small children have a particular hard time taking no for an answer. So tantrums might be developmentally appropriate for toddlers or very young kids who can't adequately express themselves. So, you know, it's really important that that these meltdowns are happening all the time and don't suicide as the kids get older, but could be an indication that they're spoiled. You know, how does your kid typically respond to the word no? That's really where you're going to hear the answer to whether or not they are spoiled. Spilled children may have all the toys and clothes in the world, but it's never enough. They want more, more, more. Because they have a lot, they tend to be unappreciative and a bit greedy. 
And instead of expressing their gratitude for what they have, they're more focused on getting the next thing. So if you're trying to buy your kids off throughout their childhood rather than discipline them or teach them values, you're going to have a hard time with that child because nothing you ever give them will be enough or be appreciated. You know, they also think the world revolves around them. Spoiled kids tend to be self-centered. They aren't all that concerned with inconveniencing other people, so they think more of themselves than others, and they feel entitled and expect special favors. But here's the deal. Inside of ourselves, inside of who we are, is our soul. We are souls living a human life. And the problem is our soul only wants to be compassionate. Compassionate for you, compassionate for itself. And spoiled children never learn the term compassion, which makes it nearly impossible for them to have a steady, strong relationship with anybody, unless they just by nature happen to have some sense of compassion for somebody in this life by some weird situation or catharsis. They also demand everything right now. You know, bratty children aren't particularly patient. When they want something, they want it now. And it's usually easier to give it to them than to postpone the child's request because of all the horrible torture that they give you to get what they want. They also are terrible losers. No no kid enjoys losing, be it a board game or a tennis match, but spoiled ones may have a tougher time managing disappointment when they don't win. So if they're always blaming others for poor performance, expecting to be singled out for praise for everything they do, yells at others who aren't doing things their way, and fail to give recognition when their teammates or competitors are successful, you may have a spoiled child on your hands. Also, that spoiled kids may employ manipulative tactics to get the yes thereafter. So whether that means lying or pitting their parents against one another, that's called triangulation. They're really good at that. Their job's to jiggle the handle. Your job's to lock the door. You know, if you rely on bribes to motivate your child, then the next time you ask your eight-year-old to clear the dishes off the dinner table, uh, don't be surprised if they ask, well, how much are you going to pay me? You know, we don't want to be paying our kids to be good kids. That's crazy. We want them to earn an allowance. That's the way we want to do it. You know, there's no gene for spoiled. It's a learned behavior that can be unlearned, and the quicker, the better. You know, it won't be easy. Commit to modifying your indulgent ways, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable to stand your ground. And you should anticipate resistance from your kids. Allow them to cry and be upset. Emphasize that while at the same time holding your your limit and the expectation that your child will be able to handle your limit, you need to understand and be empathetic with them. And reason with them and say, I get what you're saying. I understand that you're upset. I, I, I feel for you. you know. But the deal is, is that we've got to go in this direction and give them the intention and the why. And usually they will come to understand that over time. You have to do what is right, not what is easy. And that is hard for a lot of people to do what is right rather than what is easy. That's a huge thing to have to learn in life. The other thing to have to learn in life is that confidence is quiet. Insecurity is loud. And so if we want to teach our child not to be spoiled, we have to teach them the value of getting their way quietly, 
and smartly rather than loudly and insecurely. Because that's what they're demonstrating when they're being spoiled, that they have to always demonstrate their value to other people, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, in order for other people to pay attention to them. Many parents and teachers and caregivers really struggle with figuring out how to deal with spoiled kids. And they keep their children happy. Some parents satisfy their kids' every demand and give them many privileges. However, too much leniency can spoil your child and make them aggressive and stubborn. So the term spoiled child refers to an immature, self-centered, ill-mannered child who shows violent, inappropriate behaviors. And those behaviors are mostly rooted in excessive pampering by the parents or caretakers or the inability of parents to set the appropriate boundaries and rules for the child. So a misbehaving child who is left uncontrolled may become trickier to handle. Several reasons could contribute to the child's spoiled behavior. Labeling a child with a negative term such as spoiled will have only negative effects. If you're going to call your kid spoiled, they're probably going to look at themselves as being spoiled. You know, we don't want to label our children. What we want to do is prevent them from being spoiled. We also, uh, fulfilling their every need of the child and failing to impose steady and age-appropriate limits is not good. If, if you're not going to, if you're going to give them their every need, Every, you know, what they often do is they compare themselves to what the older kids are getting and the younger kids are going, well, do you get this for them and you did this for them and you did. Well, I'm doing that because that's age appropriate for this person, but it's not age appropriate for you. You know, living in a home environment where there's little interaction between family members also calls for a spoiled child because we're not setting boundaries with each other. And being the only child in the family, as they generally tend to be overprotected by parents, can make them spoiled. Also, bailing them out of uh, uh, continuously and not letting them experience consequences of their action will make a spoiled child. Offer them rewards and lavish praises too often will make them spoiled. Lack of discipline at home makes them spoiled. You know, they often use manipulative approaches to get what they want. That's their whole job is to learn how to manipulate you. They want power, and you need to understand that. All right, we're going to take another break and come right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Right, We're talking about spoiled children. They refuse and ignore you. It's annoying when a child consistently does something opposite of what is asked for them. So when they're asked to follow routines, they give excuses. They repeatedly refuse to eat, share their belongings, sleep on time. They also avoid listening to you and do what they like. And so we as parents have to step in and take a little bit of control and be the parent instead of the best friend. Also, they respond in an enraged way or throw tantrums. You know, they often are aggressive and they can create a risk for themselves and the people around them. They react to frustration when their needs aren't met, refuse everything that is said as they're unable to understand and process their emotions. They often show furious behaviors such as screaming, crying, hitting, and biting. Also, some spoiled children tend to develop a superiority complex over others and feel that they deserve only the best. And this behavior can aggravate if you if you overappreciate them also if you give them a cookie or a toy and they want more you let them have a night out with friends and they want it often you know they're never grateful for what they have and expect you to do more and more and more every time you let them slide down the slope for a spoiled child everyone is meant to serve them they are not to respect the teachers, the friends, the people in the community. They also fail to emphasize, empathize with others and are often demanding. This is not a human being. This is a turd. And if you're going to raise that, that's the kind of life they're going to have is a turd because people don't want to be around this. And at some point in their life, they do not want to sign up to have to deal with this spoiled human being that you raise. Also, a child with demanding nature is difficult to manage. And when they demands are not fulfilled, they might burst out and create havoc. You might see them comparing themselves to others, which can make them conceal uh, their needs and feelings to lead to low self-confidence, which is exactly what usually happens with a kid that is spoiled. So there's a lot of ways to deal with spoiled children. Number one is instead of showing aggression, on your child's inappropriate behavior, why don't you keep calm? Don't give them something to react to. Instead of being the squeaky toy for a dog, take the squeaky out. The dog will get bored and will never play with the toy again. If you don't give them something to react to and you give them something that will distract them, something that will take them down another path, using their sensory perceptions, audio, uh, tactile, uh, visual, whatever it is, use that to distract them over using things around them. For instance, find an alternative activity for them to do or give them something that will keep them occupied. Also, arguing with children will only make the situation worse. 
if you're going to argue just like they do, which many parents do, they act just like their children, you know, instead talk to them calmly, give them a time out, give them a time back. You're going to talk to me like an adult. I'm going to talk to you like an adult. We're going to have a nice, peaceful conversation. I need you to state your emotions. I need to state what you're upset about. And I need you to state how this makes you feel. That's all we have to do. We don't have to do a Broadway production. We don't have to do a major opera. We can actually just sit down and work it out. Look them in the eye. Make them look you in the eye and have those conversations. You know, children who have the healthy connection with their parents share their problems and feel free to have conversations. You want to have emotional trust with your children. That's huge. So you want to nurture the bond between you and the simple activities at home. When they feel free to share their emotions and feelings with you, they will be emotionally strong to tackle every possible situation. The other thing is routine, routine, routine. If you sit with your child and create a routine and a few rules that every family member must follow, be an example and show them how life becomes easier when everyone does their share of things. Creating uh, such a routine will often make them disciplined. If you think about it, if they lay their clothes and their, their lay their uh, toys all over the house, take their toys, if you have a garage, Put it in a box, stick it in the garage. If they want to get whatever toys they've left laying around, they have to put everything back that's in the box. And that may not be their toys. It may be everybody's stuff. And so the bottom line is when a person learns that the home has to be taken care of by all people in the home, that is the lesson that we all learn to share, that we cohabitate. Also, peace you know, create a happy environment in your home. And that's not easy to be happy. But I'll tell you what makes people happiest in life is relationships, good relationships, loving relationships, relationships where you have the freedom to laugh, the freedom to be yourself. So your child will tend to behave better when they see everyone in the family is happy and at peace with each other. What is peace? Peace is acceptance. Families that communicate preferences to each other. I prefer, you know, I'd prefer you talk to me like this. I prefer that we went to this place. I prefer we did this. I prefer we did that. If we start learning to talk about preferences with each other, we learn to teach each other how to love each other without offending. It'd be nice if people did that in their communication as a family. Then they would learn much more about how to love each other. You know, if you tolerate your child's behavior and neglect it by saying that they're too young to understand, you might be inviting trouble later on in life. Make them realize that their misbehavior will have consequences and ensure the consequences are realized. This is huge. You know, it's important to appreciate them when they show good behavior. This will encourage them to display good behavior, whether they help you with chores, share their toys with friends, appreciate and encourage their effort. You are encouraging that behavior will help them develop confidence, build their interest in doing that often. However, this ensures you do not praise them excessively, as it could lead to a feeling of entitlement that you have to praise them for every little thing that they do. That's a crazy major. Also, if you want to be a great parent, spend time with kids and make them understand the need to learn how to share, how to give, how to take things. Learning teamwork since childhood will help them have patience, show empathy towards others, and build trust. It's a great thing. 
You know, if, if things don't go the way they plan, the child might face some disappointment. But make sure that that disappointment doesn't turn into violent action. So you let them understand that things do not always go the way we plan. And it's okay to feel disappointed at times. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It just means we may have to delay gratification for a little bit later. You also, if, if your child is waiting for you to get something uh, that they have been longing for, making them wait a little longer to check their patience level, talk to them politely and let them learn that this skill will help them build a strong character. Patience is a virtue. It's an important virtue in our life. It's important for us to learn how to do that. Also, you want to make them aware of life's challenges, fearing failure. You know, scientific process is all about failure. Life is a experiential learning. That means that we have to have failure to learn. And to fear failure is a horrible thing. And so some children do not get involved in certain activities. Uh, motivate them and let them know that challenges are perfect for life. And facing challenges will make them stronger. Anything you learn that's anything that's hard and you accomplish it will make your life easier. Because others will seek you for what you're good at. That's important to understand. You also do not develop the habit of admiring your child every minute. You want to be supportive of what they do, but they display incorrect behavior. Tell them what they need to stop. Also make them understand the behavior, uh, how it might affect people around them, and give them the correct behavior. Also, money. You know, kids don't understand the difference between needs and wants in life. So talking to your kid about money will make them understand about savings and goals and responsible spending. You know, for example, if, if you provide your children allowances, teach them to write down their expenses each day. This way, they will know the importance of saving money and control their necessary desires. The earlier a child knows about money, the better off they're going to be as far as managing their life. And this is huge. So as a child... This is as a child has a temper tantrum. This is what we do. We stay calm. We don't join the problem. We don't give in. We don't encourage them to continue the behavior by agreeing to what they want in order to make it stop. So you don't want to join them and you don't want to give in. Then you want to praise appropriate behavior or tell them, I know you're better than this. You're better than this. You do better than this. You can do better than this. You are a better person than this. And you help them practice problem-solving skills. If your child is not upset, it's, it's the time to help them try out communicating their feelings, coming up with solutions to conflicts before they escalate into aggressive outbursts. And here's the deal. We do not want to have aggressive children. We want to have assertive children. Hey, mom. I need this. Hey, Dad, I need this. Hey, I have an idea. Can you listen to me just for a minute? That's being assertive. Being aggressive doesn't ask for anybody else's needs but the child's needs to be rewarded. So you want them to have problem-solving skills. You want to have timeouts and reward systems for nonviolent misbehavior. It can work out well with children younger than 7 and 8. After that, it gets a little rough. But if a child is too old for timeouts, you want to move to a system of positive reinforcement uh, for appropriate behavior. So that would be something like what's called, if you look it up on Google, a behavior contract. If you do that, then they're in charge of their own discipline, not you. 
and you're outlining what they need to do for their rewards. And all you have to do as the parent is implement, and they're the ones that receive either the praise or the consequences based on their own behavior. You also want to avoid all triggers. We always want to be on the outlook for what makes things happen. You know, frequent meltdowns to very predictable times like homework time, bedtime, you know, when they're hungry. This is when they want to play their games and they're hungry. This can be a problem. So you want to do what it is to remedy it prior to it happening. If they need to go to bed earlier, get them to bed earlier. If they need to feed them, feed them. Um, you know, if they're going to be on wanting to watch, play the video games and never eat, that's probably not a good idea. They're going to spin off into some kind of aggression, and that can really create a lot of meltdowns and stress in the home. You know, when you respond to a tantrum in a healthy way, it's handling nonviolent tantrums is to ignore them as often as possible. You know, since even negative attention, like telling a child to stop, can be encouraging, we have to understand that. If you're going to feed it with a reaction that's that's stronger than the child's giving, that's teaching them that they have more power, for, power than you. But when a child is getting physical, ignoring is not recommended since it could result in, in harm to others. And, and so, you know, we put the child in a safe environment that does not give them access to you or any other potential rewards. So we want to contain them if they're going to be a physical person. You know, they should stay in a room, you know, for a minute or just be calm before they're allowed to come out. If, if they should come back to the chair for a time out, you know, what does this give your child an immediate and consistent consequence for their aggression? It removes all access to reinforcing things in their environment. But the bottom line is you want them to take accountability. I am sorry. They, before they could come out, before they could actually rejoin the family, they need to take accountability for what they did. Not in an illegitimate way, not in a fake way, in a true, honest way. That teaches them how to self-regulate. Huge, huge, huge. And if we can all do that, we do a much better job raising kids. You know, uh, there, there may be times that we need to have you know, times with our kids where we spend a day teaching them what they need to do. We may have a day where we teach them manners. You know, I remember my mom would never get out of the car unless I opened the door. So I had to open the door if I wanted to learn that. You know, it'd be nice to learn a little bit about manners. We don't really learn that a lot these days. But if we did, I would suggest our life would be a lot easier. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. I love hearing from you. And you could do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, children are often spoiled because no one will spank grandma. Also, if my office, in my office, if your children are left unattended, they will be given a triple espresso and a free puppy. Also, many parents discover the beauty of yelling while you're on the, on the toilet. Also, at home, mothers wear workout clothes because raising children is an extreme sport. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 